Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. I paid the cost to be the boss. Who is the boss of your life? We are closing out our series, Who's the Boss? And it's been hopefully really encouraging and challenging and inspiring for you. It's been that for me. And over the last few weeks, we've seen some really interesting areas of our heart as we we dig into it. And maybe for some of you, you realize that you dealt with guilt more than you anticipated, and hopefully that you've been able to see that when we confess, when we have confession, it helps to bring healing in that area. Perhaps you realize that you've been labeling your anger as frustration, right? Like, I'm not that angry person. I'm just frustrated by the craziness they do. And we realize that our anger actually stems from things deep within us, from our internal expectations of others. And then last week, we saw and talked about greed and Greed is one of those sneaky ones that we always think, well, I'm not greedy. I mean, there's no way that could happen. But in our lives, we're stingier with our time, with our relationships, with our emotions, with our finances, with all these things. Uh, And the challenge for us was that we need to find a need and fill it. And it's just this beautiful reminder of how the Lord can do something powerful in our hearts when we do that. So it's been quite a journey through the, the, the tunnels of our invisible heart, right? Now, our invisible heart is the one that we always talk about in church or we talk about when we're feeling things. It's not our actual heart. But we're going to tackle one last emotion today, one last enemy of the heart that wants to fight for the throne and to be the boss of our lives, one last one that quietly takes root and causes tension between us and other people around us. And it's one that we don't often talk about, but it's relentless because it also creates this cloud of like discontentment in our life. And the one that we're going to be talking about is jealousy. Now, as we jump in, just a moment of like brutal honesty with everybody. How many of you have ever been jealous? Just come on, hands up, everybody. Yeah, 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 okay. I appreciate the honesty today. Now we're talking. We all do it. Honestly, for me, this is going to sound funny, but I'm jealous of tall people. I am jealous of tall people. And not even like really, really tall people, just like any dude that's like three inches taller than me. It's like, seriously, all I need was five foot ten. I'm not asking for a whole lot. I just need five foot ten. And for me, when I, when I graduated from eighth grade, yeah, we're, we're bringing it back. When I graduated from eighth grade, like, I was a tiny little human being, right? I was so small. And I, I went into the summer, and I'm like, I'm about to start high school. This is going to be brutal. But something amazing happened over that summer. I grew, like, nine inches in one summer. Over those three, four months leading up to school, I just shot up. I was having growing pains, like I had arthritis, and like I was embracing it. I was like, come on, legs, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm ready for it. Like I was just all about it because I knew I needed at least to be somewhat normal going into ninth grade or it's just going to be absolutely brutal. And I was so excited until I realized about four years later, I wasn't going to grow again. That was it. 
Like I had that one shoot up over a summer and I've been this same height since probably like 10th grade. Like I maybe grew a little bit more than that. And so when I, when I got passed over in sports, even though I was good at sports, I blamed it on my height. When the cute girl in high school went out with the uglier dude just so she could wear heels, I blamed it on my height, right? Like, it was everything came back to this. There's still times now, as a halfway grown man, that I walk into a room of people that I don't know and I'm intimidated because I realize that if I hug somebody, I have to turn my face, otherwise I'm just gonna get like a chest full of like pecs. It's just no good being short, especially as a leader when you walk into the room, it's like, hey, oh, give me a hug. I'm like, no, I don't wanna hug you. I'm just gonna be chest right there. I'm kidding, only a little bit, but it's, it's, it's real. But what about you? What is it in your life? Who feels the wrath of your jealousy? Who is it that, who's that person in your life that they don't even know it maybe, but just inside it just burns within you? Maybe it's your, your sister who's skinnier than you and she eats whatever she wants and it's like, what, what? This doesn't make any sense. Or, or maybe it's your more successful brother-in-law or maybe it's that coworker at work that you work 10 times harder than they do, but somehow they get the promotion. Right? Who is it? Who is that person that just drives your jealousy? When that person walks into the room, it's uncontrollable. You don't know how it happens, but you just eye roll immediately when they walk in. Right? Who is that person that it just happens? There's something really tricky about jealousy, though, and it's in your notes. If you have your notes, it's hidden truth that, that we miss more often than not, and it's right here on the screen. Jealousy is not between you and someone else. Jealousy is between you and God. Time out. What? What? No, I'm not. What? I don't have, no, it's not between me and God. It's between me and people, that person, right? Think about it. Our jealousy stems from the fact that there's something missing that God could have done something about, right? What God did for one, he certainly could have done for all of us, right? I mean, God, I'm asking for three inches longer on my legs. I don't even care if I'm disproportionate. Like, just three inches. That's all I'm asking. He could have done that, but he didn't. He could have given you that promotion. He could have given you that body type. He could have given you that skill set. He could have given you that opportunity that you've been dreaming about. He could have done it, but he didn't. And you and I, we take our jealousy out on the people around us, but if we're honest, we're disappointed in God because God's the one who made us. God's the one who created us. Like our tension is really with him, but this goes on ignored in our life and we just project it onto the people around us because as long as my issue is with my rich uncle or my issue is with my skinny sister, then I don't have to deal with my beef that's actually going on with God. The root of our jealousy hides behind blame and excuses and finger pointing, but today we get to pull back those layers and see what's actually happening within our hearts and what's happening with the jealousy that so oftentimes drives our lives. So look at this on the screen. Jealousy says, God owes me. And everybody's like, oh, no, wait, wait a minute. Uh, I don't like this. This is not comfortable. Like, no, what do you mean God owes me? That's what jealousy in our life says. That's what it says. It says, well, you know, this, this problem is with a person who has what we want, but beneath it all, it's really our disappointment that God didn't give us. 
what they have. If God had taken care of me the way that he quote unquote should have, if he would have given me what I deserve, right? We'd never say this to God, right? We're uncomfortable with that. But if if I would have got what I deserve, if God would have done his end of the bargain, then I would have a better relational life. I'd have a better life as far in business. I would have a better relationship with people around me professionally, financially. But what we saw a couple weeks back in the writings of James is that there's something deeper than that. It doesn't have anything to do with our external situation. It has everything to do with what's going on inside. Look at it again. James chapter 4, verse 1. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Don't they come from inside you? Look at this. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. What James is saying is that our jealousy, our anger, our greed, our guilt all stems from this battle that's raging on inside of us of where we are saying, I'm not getting what I want. And for us, many times we're saying, I'm not getting what I deserve. And that's what stems and leads into this jealousy. It stems from this need to try to satisfy this internal desire in our life. And for every one of us, it's different. I don't know what the internal desire is in your life. Maybe it's for recognition. Maybe it's for just being considered a success. Maybe it's for this relational connection. Whatever that is that's driving you on the inside, that's the stem. That's the root of our heart issues. It's this, this need to satisfy our desires. But look at this, this note on the screen. The reality is that our appetite is never fully satisfied. It's only temporarily quieted. We can't ever fully satisfy that, right? Like you and I, we eat, and we're only satisfied for just a little while, right? It's like, oh, that's the best meal. I can't even, the, the waiter comes around, and he's like, hey, would you like dessert? Oh, I couldn't even think about dessert until I get to the car, and then I can stop at Baskin-Robbins on the way home, right? Like, we, we just, it just momentarily that we're satisfied. And this, this actually happened for, for Lauren and I. We went on a vacation during the week, uh, last week, and it was our first vacation in like a year and a half, and it was so awesome. It was great, and um, I'd been working out and, and trying to lose some weight leading up to it, right? And I've just been sticking to this really strict diet and lost some weight, got myself in better shape. But uh, just being honest with you, the whole purpose of it was that we we're going to the water park. And I haven't been to a water park in like 15 years. And I wanted to walk around with my shirt off and not like little kids running away screaming, right? So like that was the whole purpose behind this whole thing. So I, I stuck to this this really strict diet and I had this workout plan that I was doing and it was awesome. It was it was fun. And for me, the key was that I cut back on sweets. I don't know about you. I'm just being honest. Sweets are my weakness. Like if I eat just a little bit of sugar, it's on. It, it is like a drug. It is over for me. I'm going to be in the pantry trying to tear up everything sweet that I can find. Like, and so on this diet, I cut back on sweets like 97%. It was, it was huge for me. So on vacation, like what you're supposed to do, I rewarded myself, right? Like we did all kinds of stuff, but you know what happened? My body wasn't satisfied with that. Even after going 
two, three months without getting this thing that I love in sweets, it was never satisfied. When I ate something sweet, I still wanted more. It didn't feel, my body didn't feel rewarded at all. It was just like, oh, finally, it's back. I need more. One cookie wasn't enough. I needed five. One milkshake wasn't enough. And one slice of pizza and one slice. All of that, you just needed more and more and more. And it just was never satisfied. So this week, being back on my diet plan, trying to lose the weight that I gained from the vacation, my body is furious with me, right? It's furious with me because it's never satisfied. And the truth is about our selfish desires and our pleasure in life is it's never satisfied. And so what happens in our life is we, we turn to jealousy and blame. That, that little moment of our husband doing the right thing is good, but the next moment when they didn't do it right, it's like, nah, see, back to it again. It's like we're never satisfied. For us as husbands, when we expect something or want something and, and it's not happening, then we turn to other sources. Like it's, it's this never-ending thing within us. The reality is that we're dependent on the people around us to act a certain way, to respond a certain way, to do all of these things, all because of the desperate desire within us to quiet the battle to quiet the needs that are happening inside of us. It's all around that. Listen to what James says. It's it's so good. He says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask who for it. You don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And look at this. The issue is when our dependence is on something finite, it can never satisfy us. You know, the finite, ooh, that's a good word. Like, right? When I was growing up, if I said a good word, I had a good vocabulary word, me and my mom would go like, ooh. Like, we always did that. It was weird. I don't know. But finite, finite means having a limited nature or existence. It's limited. James reminds us that we need to turn to God who is infinite, who is without end, who is never ending in existence instead of demanding fulfillment from those around us. Our jealousy shapes our attitudes towards other people, and we demand things from them. Can I just be honest? That they were never meant to be the ones to fill. So many times in our relationships, we're demanding things from the people around us because we want them to help shape our identity. And God's like, ah. That's kind of like my, that's kind of my job. We, we want the people around us to provide safety and security and for it to all feel comfortable and, and roses and feel good. And God's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of like the provider of peace and satisfaction and kind of like the provider of all things that you ever need in life. Like, that's kind of my role. And we put this dependence and this drive on the people around us. And when they don't fulfill it, it leads to anger and it leads to jealousy. It leads to frustration. We look at the people around us and they have what we wish we had. And so they feel the wrath of our jealousy when God's going, hey, like James is saying, it's all about God. You, you don't, you're asking the wrong people. Bring it to God. Bring it to him. Our spouses, our friends, our family were never meant to be the source of our fulfillment. And that, 
that might be like a foreign concept for you, but that's the beauty of our relationship with God. It's what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world is that our God wants to be in relationships. He wants to be the ultimate fulfillment of everything in our life. And the people that he places around us in our life, they're the bonus. They're the extra. They're the ones that keep us focused. It's why God in his word, he tells us that when he is on the throne of our heart, when he is number one, all things will fall into place. Everything else will find its place. I'm reminded of of John 4, where Jesus meets the woman at the well. We talked about it several months ago, and it'll be something we always, it's such a a beautiful passage of scripture. But if if you're not familiar with it, it's this woman Um, who was a Samaritan, she came to the well in the middle of the day. And in that culture, coming to the well in the middle of the day was like the ultimate sign of I'm trying to avoid people, right? Like running into your house and closing the garage real fast so you don't have to talk to your neighbors. No, like she, it was way bigger than that. Like for her, she had a reputation in town because she had had a lot of husbands and and we don't know all of the backstory, but you can read some more in, in, in the scripture about it. But she was coming to the well in the middle of the day, in the hottest part of the day, all to avoid the ladies of town. She didn't want to deal with them. They didn't, she didn't want to hear their ridicule. She didn't want the looks. So she would come to the well to get her water for the day in the loneliest, hottest, most awful part of the day. In her conversation with Jesus, he reveals something that's really important. And it's just amazing Jesus, you got to go back and read this story if you're not familiar with it. In verse 9, it says, The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus was not supposed to talk to her because she, in this culture, one, she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew, so he's not supposed to talk to her. And in this culture, also, women were very much like beneath men. So, like a man talking to a woman, he was breaking all the cultural rules, which I love about Jesus. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Just pause there for a second. Those words are for you. Those words are for you and I. If you only knew the gift God has for you. This isn't in my notes. I just feel like the Lord is saying to somebody, if you only knew the gift that God has for you. If you only knew, if you only trusted him, if you only took the time to be in that relationship with him that he desires. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But she goes on, I can hear with a little bit of attitude, but sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket. What are you talking about? This well is very deep. Where would you get this quote unquote living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you, random person in the middle of the day, offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Listen to what Jesus says, verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And look how, look how it changes for her. Look how her attitude changes. Please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. But more importantly, in her mind, think, look at this, and I won't have to come back here to get water. 
Her response to Jesus changed completely when the possibility of endless water was on the table. Wait, 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 wait. You mean I don't have to come here anymore? You mean I don't have to deal with those ladies anymore? You mean I don't have to deal with the ridicule? I don't have to deal with my guilt? I don't have to deal with the anger that I have towards them because they don't know my life and they don't know what I've been through? I don't have to deal with the jealousy I have that they get to do whatever they want without being berated with ridicule and insults like Jesus that oh I don't know who you are but if that's what you're telling me I can get sign me up where can I get this water Jesus where can I have this kind of water Jesus says those who drink this water I give them will never be thirsty again Jesus was saying to her those who turn to me will find an answer that's never ending Those who turn to me will find an answer that doesn't dry up. It doesn't run out. You need forgiveness. Jesus has it. You need purpose. Jesus has it. You need affirmation and identity of who you are. Jesus has it if we will turn to him. You need to feel like you matter in life because you don't feel like you matter anywhere else because everyone overlooks what you're doing. Jesus says, I'm looking at you. I see you. Jesus has that answer. If you need clarity on what your next step needs to be, you need help because you feel weak and broken. Jesus is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here, ready to offer you what I have. And once you see what that issue is, your need in your life, once you see what that is, then it's our responsibility to take our beat up car and our dead end job and our insecurity and our fear of the future and our relational damage and our anger and our guilt and our brokenness. And it's our responsibility to take all of this and bring it to the feet of Jesus and go, you take it all. Because you're the only one who can give me an answer for all of this. You and I, we take all of our stuff, we take all of our issues, all of our brokenness, and we lay it at the feet of our spouse and we go fix it. They can't. We go and we lay it at the feet of our parents. They can't fix it. We go and lay it at the feet of our friends. They can't fix it. And Jesus is going, I am the source. I am the one who can give you the answer that you need was so amazing is that we get to come to Jesus. We get to come to the Father. We run to him, and we can just lay it all out on the line. We can just give him every bit of our frustration, every bit of our questions, every bit of our doubts. Look at this. Jesus is not scared of our doubts and our frustration. He just wants us to keep talking to him. That's it. You're not going to get struck by lightning if you go, God, I think I deserve better than this. He's not going to hit you with a lightning bolt. He just wants you to keep talking to him, right? In our relationships with just our normal spouses, if if Lauren and I were going through an awful situation and there is a possibility of us going separate directions with our life, for me, the thing that would matter most is let's just keep talking. As long as we keep talking, there's a way for us to work through this. And that's what God is saying. As long as we just keep talking, I don't even care if you, God is saying, I don't care if you come to me and throw your stuff on the ground and go, you couldn't have given me three inches longer legs. You couldn't have given me a better body type. God, you couldn't have given me that promotion. You can, you know what we're going through. God, you know what we need. Where are you? What are you doing? God's not afraid of that. God's not angry by that. God wants to stand there and go, 
I got you. Come on. Communicate with me. Just talk with me. But then the key for us is that we give him a chance to respond. Because guess what? He's going to respond. That's the beauty of our relationship with the God that we believe in, is that God responds back. It may be a small little voice in your heart that you hear, and you're like, well, that doesn't sound like the normal voice that I hear in my head. The voice in my head is normally telling me how off I am. That's a different voice. It might be a quiet voice in your heart, in your spirit. It might be a scripture that you read that for whatever reason, it's like the words are jumping off the page to you, and it's like, oh, man, that's good. I I've read this a million times. Why is this scripture standing out to me? Now, it might be you realizing something that as you, and I've had this so many times where I'm pouring my heart out to God and I'm, I'm sharing my frustrations, I'm sharing my fears, I'm sharing my doubts with them. And as I'm getting it all out, I realize something that I'm doing. And that's God going, hey, I'm right here. I'm ready to communicate. The author of the the book of Hebrews says it so perfectly in in chapter 4. He says, this high priest, talking about Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come, what, boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy or find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus, our high priest, he understands our pain. He understands our needs because he actually lived with them. Jesus came to this earth and he dealt with the same feelings that we dealt with. He, he dealt with the frustrations in life. He dealt with being disrespected by people. He dealt with the broken people in his life and broken families. And he dealt with all of these things and he saw what it felt like. He experienced it. So when we go to Jesus and we go, Jesus, I am so frustrated right now. He goes, I get it. I get it. I've been there. I feel you. And this is how you can respond. This is what we can do. When we bring our desires to the Father, even those selfish desires, we're met with mercy and we're met with grace. It's so beautiful. Where we think God would be angry, God goes, I'm so glad you're talking to me. I'm so glad you gave me a chance to speak to you. So how do we defeat the enemy of jealousy in our hearts? Jealousy is defeated through celebration. Jealousy is defeated through celebration. This is going to sound real awkward. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know right from the start. It's going to be uncomfortable. But celebrate those people who you're jealous of. What? Yeah. Celebrate the people who you're jealous of. Instead of jealousy, speak life. Speak positivity. Speak good words over there. Instead of rolling your eyes at your sister who still fits in those jeans from high school, and it's like, oh, that's good. Just go, girl, you look good. You look good. <sighs> yeah, you look good. It's good. When that coworker gets the promotion that you feel like you deserve, hey, man, congratulations. Congratulations. Ah, it's uncomfortable, right? When, when your rich uncle drives up in your dream car, Oh, boy, I love that car. That's a beautiful car. Ooh, one day I wish I could have that car. That's a good car. And you might be saying, well, isn't that fake? That's just being, that's not being true to myself, right? That's our, our little buzzword now in 2019. I'm not being myself. No. 
we are speaking life instead of anger and jealousy. I, I heard this awesome quote recently that, that might change your mind because it changed mine. It's something in your notes. I need to hang this up somewhere, write it on a wall. It's so good. It's easier to behave your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of behaving. Think about that. Isn't that true in your life? It's way easier to behave your way into a new way of thinking. Because if I just think about it and just think and think and think and think, I'm never going to do anything about it, right? Oh, I think I should probably do this. I think, I think if I did this with my life and if I did this in this situation, no, no, no. Just do it. Just behave your way into a new way of thinking. Celebrate those who you're jealous of, even if you don't mean it in the moment, because eventually you will. Eventually you will. Eventually it will mean a lot for you that someone is getting good in life and that healing takes place. Speak life even when you want to speak blame and watch what happens to your life. And for some of us, especially those of us who deal with jealousy, celebrate what you already have. Celebrate the things that God is already doing in your life. You wish you had a bigger house, but God, I thank you that I have a roof over my head. God, I know it costs way more here in San Diego than it does anywhere else on the planet, but God, I thank you that I have a roof over my head. You wish your job was better. You wish you had more recognition. God, I, I wish you know what I feel about. You know how I feel about my boss, but God, I thank you that you, you give me a way to create wealth. You give me a place where I'm, I'm bringing money into the bank, even if it's not a lot. God, you give me that opportunity. You wish your spouse acted better, but God, I thank you that you put that person in my life, that you put that person in my life that shows me, even if they're not acting like it in this moment. God, I thank you that I have someone that I can work through this with. So in the end, how do we, how do we take back control of the throne of our hearts? How do we put Jesus in the right place? How do we have the right CEO as the boss of our life? As we wrap up this series, these are the four things that we do. We confess, we forgive, we give, and we celebrate. We confess those areas of our life. When, we, when we're dealing with guilt, we confess. We bring honesty and vulnerability on the table. Regardless of what their response is, we bring it on the table so that God can create the healing in our life. We forgive when we're dealing with anger or quote-unquote frustrations. We forgive. We offer forgiveness. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven us so much. Every moment that I'm tempted to hold my forgiveness back from someone or from something that's happened in my life, I just think about all the things I've done in my life. And Jesus looks at me and goes, you know what? I still love you. I still care for you. I'm still right here. When we're trying to get past our greed, when we're trying to get past those areas of our life that we kind of keep ourselves closed off from everything else, we give, we find a need and we meet it. And finally, as people, we celebrate people. What would, what would your life look like if instead of complaining, you celebrated? What would life look like Again, oh man, this isn't, again, this isn't in my notes. I just feel like the Lord is saying, what if instead of complaining about everything that's going on in your life, what if you just celebrated what he's already done, what he's already doing? Instead of standing back and looking at our lives going, God, I wish you would have done this. God, I wish I would have had this. If this would have been different, if, 
we changed all of that with that person that drives us crazy, if they did this, if they would, what if we change all of that? And we say, you know what? God, thank you. I've got breath in my lungs. I have the opportunity to make an influence on the people around me. I choose to celebrate. I choose to bring positive words. I speak life. I speak life instead of death. How different would our lives be? But I need a place to vent. I need a place to get this off my chest. God's right there listening. He's right there waiting. He is the source of everything that we need. Instead of complaining, what if we celebrated all that God wants to do? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we wrap up today. For every one of us, there's a different area, there's a different enemy of the heart that is it's just vying for control within our life and wants to, to rule us, to own us. But we have everything that we need right now in this moment to be able to live the life that God is calling us to live. So Jesus, right now, we surrender it all to you. Jesus, right now, we, we give you our guilt. We give you our anger. We give you our greed. We give you our jealousy. And Lord, we come to you as our, our high priest that understands. We come to you and we lay it all at your feet. Everything we feel like we deserve, every bad break in life, everything that we wish was different, God, we come to you and we lay it at your feet. We run to you and we say, God, I feel like I, I'm uncomfortable saying it, but God, I feel like I deserve better. God, I feel like I should be able to have more at this point in my life. I feel like things should be different, but they're not. God, I, I wish things were different. God, would you speak to me? God, would you speak to me? And I'll listen. Father, we stand here in this moment and that's our prayer, that is our heart, that you would slowly begin to take back control of our lives. That you would take back control of the emotions who for so long have been running our lives. Jesus, we, we stand here in this moment and we just declare that no one's gonna run our life but you. Only you, because you're the only one who deserves to sit on the throne of our heart. God, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to be able to take the steps you're calling us to. And we believe you'll do it. We believe you'll speak to us. And we believe that our lives will be different from this moment forward. We leave this place different than we came in pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. 
If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.